We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more podcasts. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we're going to see him soon. You feel me? Alright, alright, welcome back to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Barrow. I'm a writer for USA Today's Rams Wire. Joining me, as always, Rams Talk Managing Editor, Johnny Gomez. Uh, this is a bittersweet show, Johnny, because the Rams finally won a game again. We took care of business in Atlanta, but uh, this is the first episode of Butting Heads in a post-Marcus Peters world. Uh, unfortunately, the man in our intros track has been traded. Uh, it's a, it's a bittersweet day for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I have to say it was, uh, I was a little bit sad to see Marcus Peters go just because, you know, whether or not you were a fan of the way he played, he did bring an energy to the team that I feel like is now missing. And, you know, seeing him actually you know, interact with, with his teammates in person, you can't help but 
feel like they're missing, you know, that presence that they need to get that sort of emphasis going. Now, I know Ramsey is is uh, is kind of a similar guy, but we'll get to that in a second. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm going to say I'm going to miss the gumbo, the gumbo eating cornerback uh, now in Baltimore. Uh, and he did us a favor right away. Pick six on Russell Wilson. You got to love it. Uh, hey, look, guys. You could be sad that we lost Marcus Peters while also acknowledging that we clearly upgraded, which we are. But uh, I, I think we'll put a little post-mortem on the Marcus Peters trade later on in the pod. Uh, but one of my favorite Rams in recent memory, I'm going to miss the guy. But, hey, we're 1-0 without him, so we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, before we get into talking about the Atlanta Falcons game and everything surrounding that, don't forget, guys, please subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts particularly on Apple Podcasts. If you're there, uh, you can go ahead and give us a five-star rating, take a screenshot, send it to ramstalk9045 at gmail.com with tell us who's entering a contest with the screenshot. I didn't even mention this was a contest, but uh, you can win a $75 gift card at nflshop.com if you leave a five-star review, send a screenshot to ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. You'll be automatically entered to win when we hit 200 reviews. Uh, We will give away the gift card. If you've already reviewed, but you want to win that gift card, get a friend to do it. Split the gift card when you get it. Uh, but every, everything helps, so we appreciate all that. Now, on to business. Uh, I So, full disclosure with me, I was out in Chicago during this game. Caught a decent amount of it on my phone. Just watched the, the whole game like an hour or two ago. So, I didn't, I didn't get the full uh, enjoyment of watching the Rams beat the Falcons ass 37-10. to 10. Uh, Payback for the playoff loss two two years ago. Payback for Jeff Fisher, who lost his job after getting blown out by the Atlanta Falcons. And we helped right the ship. And hopefully we get Dan Quinn fired soon enough. But, hey, it was nice that, you know, I was out. I was having a day. And... I didn't really have to worry about the Rams losing. We did exactly what we walked into into Atlanta and we said I have to do. How how'd you enjoy this game? With a very large glass of a margarita and some shots of tequila. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was at I was actually at a sports bar watching this game. And uh it, it was it was nice seeing hearing like so many Rams fans just celebrating, uh, you know, a, a, a very terrible matchup with the Atlanta Falcons. This team is just on a down, downward spiral. And, and uh, well, I, I have to say, though, my favorite part of this game was looking at Julio Jones at the very end of this game. He just looks so upset and defeated. It was it was glorious. I, uh-huh. I can't help but appreciate that uh i mean i'd say poor julio but he just got made one of the highest paid players in nfl history so uh you sign the contract to stay with the team you got to go through the downfalls but i mean goddamn, man he was the only player that even showed up to that game it felt like uh you know i think we did a all things considered we did a pretty good job on him but Still, he still got his, still had 93 yards. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. If Marcus Peters wasn't there, I think it would have been a lot worse. But, hey, man, that team is bad. 
they are floundering. Uh, we mentioned in the pod that this is a game that we should blow them out. And look, we walked out there. We did exactly what we set out to do. And it feels good. It's it's about time because all season, we, we haven't really done this all year, walked into a game that we should blow the other team out and blow them out. We didn't blow out Cleveland. We sure as hell didn't blow out Tampa Bay. Uh, and after last week's abysmal offensive performance, you know, this wasn't perfect, but we walk into Atlanta, we dominate, we walk out with a win. That's what we needed to do. So what you're saying is the Falcons are exactly who we thought they were? <laughs> if you're going to crown them, why would you crown them? Because they're terrible. Do not crown them. Uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever the opposite of crowning them is. Uh, yeah. Like, you look at the box score, kind of sucks that Matt Schaub walked in there and went 6-for-6 six six with a touchdown, but none of our good players were, were in on that drive, or or most of our starters were out. But I, I think uh, we could we could start talking about some performances in this game. Uh, let, let's talk first about our shiny new toy here, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Johnny, I, or you guys heard me give my thoughts on the trade if you listen to Rams Talk Radio with me and Derek last week right after it dropped. Johnny, I'll give you your chance to speak on the trade later on, but from this game, how'd you feel about Ramsey and his performance? You know, it, it's never easy to to guard Julio Jones. As you mentioned earlier, he was just made one of the wealthiest players in the league. And for a good reason. He's one of the best, you know, receivers in the league. So it's warranted. So to ask anyone to guard him is is a difficult task and one that I felt that Ramsey did very well at. You know, he wasn't perfect, obviously. He got a couple good looks in. Uh, he got lucky on one play in particular where the, the ball was just out of reach because he was clearly beat. But um, overall, I felt like Ramsey did a solid job. This is also considering that that Ramsey hadn't played in like what three or four weeks, and Missed a couple games, yeah, yeah. That's considering that, and on top of that, it's also considering that he was just thrown into the Rams' defensive scheme. You know, he he, he didn't even have a full week of practice, and it does make a bit of difference. So um, I have to say, overall, you you can't help but be impressed that he went in to Atlanta and was able to contain um, Julio Jones for the most part. I know he ended up getting 93 yards, but in the grand scheme of things, it was still just smaller catches. That's not the effectiveness of Julio Jones you really want to see if you're an Atlanta fan. So um, kudos to, to Ramsey. He really did us a solid in this game. It's so far, it looks like our investment is good. You know, we traded for an in or a player that had a hurt back, and it looks like it healed on the flight to LA. So, you always love to see that. I think, I, I think, yeah, he did a great job on Julio, all things considered. I know one of those was on a pretty decently big play, but for the most part, he took care of business. Matt Ryan, man, missed him once or twice. I know there was uh, one play where Julio, like, almost had an insane diving catch. That actually wasn't even Ramsey. That was uh, your boy Troy Hill on that one. But uh, look, he looked great. 
Uh, he he was shadowing Julio a lot of the game. That might be literally the toughest matchup in football for a cornerback. If it's not the toughest, it's one of the three or four toughest because that dude is a bad man. And he he held his own. He took care. He did everything we needed him to do in this game. And I, this is something we have not had. I when have. Have we ever had a just a complete lockdown cornerback ever uh, in the last 20 or 30 years? I mean, since I've been alive, I know we had Aeneas Williams, but I don't even know if I'd classify him in that category. I would say if I had to guess, it would probably be Aeneas Williams. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I really couldn't. Unless you want to consider Dre Bly for the job, but I don't, I don't know if I would consider him that oh, either. Dre, Dre, yeah, no, he's. I think he's easily the best cornerback we've had since Aeneas. It's not even much of a debate. And I love my guy Janoris Jenkins, but no, Tremaine, I <laughs> Cortland Finnegan. Uh, Who's that dude we drafted in the first round that was terrible like fifteen years ago? Ty Hill. Uh, he's he's Ty not Hill. up there. Uh, yeah, so it we gave a lot to this guy, but look, it just feels good to have that guy out there. I mean, you arguably have you have the best play, deep, arguably the best player in the NFL on the defense side of the ball. You had Ramsey, who's probably in the five or ten best defensive players in the league. Uh, probably in the, a top two cornerback. With uh, you know, it's hard to knock Stephon Gilmore right now as number one, but yeah, man, it, it is nice to have, and I think. You have him, you have Aaron Donald. You can build a pretty decent defense around the margins uh, for the foreseeable future uh, without spending big money. We're going to lose some good players because we're going to have a lot of money tied up into these two guys, but you tie that money into these two guys, man. Uh, I don't think – it might sound like I'm overreacting after one game, but this is also after four years of this guy's career. Yeah, I mean, in in regards to the draft picks, like I, I know there are many people upset about losing these draft picks, and for you know solid reasons, I can understand the reasons why you'd be upset. But the way I look at it is, let's say that we do end up not doing this trade. There's no guarantee that we get Marcus Peters back next year. And even if we do, I'm not sure we even want him back because he's so streaky and isn't really, you know, the lockdown corner that we really want. And then there's Aqib Tlaib, who clearly had a, taken a step back, you know, this season. He's up for contract. You know, I, I don't know if you really want to bring him back either. So what do you do? You have to look for the you know, free agents, which either way you're going to pay some guy big money um, or you look to the draft. And the thing about that is cornerbacks, you can say what you want about drafting cornerbacks in the first round, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a good cornerback. You know, you can read all the scouting reports, you can see all the tape, and it's not going to make a bit of difference because some guys just simply don't pan out. You brought up Ty Hill as an example. Yep. Yeah, that that was a that was a big fail. And so I would much rather invest in a guy that's going to be 
one of the best, if not the best cornerback in the NFL, then kind of play the lottery and see if you strike gold. Because at this rate, too, we're not going to be in position to have high draft picks. I I even like even if you've given up on this season, we're not going to have a high draft pick still, you know, and that's still not even a guarantee you're going to get a good player. So overall, would I rather have Ramsey over these draft picks? Absolutely, a hundred percent. And I I get wanting uh, wanting to establish you know a sort of uh, quote unquote farm system, but. You know, in reality, would you rather have proven or raw? I would rather have proven. And this was a good example of it. So <laughs> I, I can only imagine how Ramsey's going to fare against a very terrible Bengals offense. <laughs> Shitty. Uh, I do want to respond here, but quick, let's give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Yeah, so it is it is tough to give up those draft picks, obviously. But we we've, we've been trading picks for players for years, and you could since since we hired McVay, this is not years, but you could argue whether or whether it's not it's been the right or wrong decisions. So far, we have won the division, won eleven and five, lost in the first round, then went to the Super Bowl. So the results are there in the short term. In the long term, we'll see if these become detrimental, not not making these picks. You could kind of feel it with the offensive line this year. But look, I mentioned on previous podcasts, they had a chance to take offensive linemen, and they traded back to like 60 to take Taylor Rapp. Uh, again, great, very good player. I think he's going to be a good pick, but could use some offensive linemen there. I, I think you definitely, while you're a contender— you trade, you, you you make this trade because you're getting a proven commodity. And it's not just a proven commodity. It's Jalen fucking Ramsey, man. I mean, this is more, he's considered one of the best players in the NFL, period. He has been. He was the anchor of a defense that carried our boy, Blake Bortles, to the AFC Championship uh, because that defense was unbelievable. And now, and now, you know, the pressure is awful. He's not, he didn't have to be the anchor of this defense. He just has to be the rope attached to the anchor. I, I for lack of a better analogy there, uh, with Aaron Donald and you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. But, uh, if the rumors are true that he won't hold out next year, if a contract extension doesn't get done, then you, you still have some cap space there to play with. And I, I, I think you got to make this trade. It, you could argue that you shouldn't be making this trade just because you're three and three and you need a spark. I think they make this trade if they're they they said it themselves. If they're four and two, if they're five and one, if they're zero and six, uh, they still make this trade because they view Jalen Ramsey that high, and as they should. Uh, 
the ju- the book out on this guy is that he is as elite as it comes at the position. And uh, I in this defense, I think he's going to be a home run for the foreseeable future. And he, we got a lot of guys in the books right now. Uh, he look, I'd I'd rather pay him than Brandon Cooks. I'd rather pay him than Todd Gurley. Uh, and and yeah, man, you you pay the man, you give up those picks to do it, and you draft better with the lower picks. You get good contracts. You try and convince players to take less money, and you don't make silly extensions with the rest of your roster. <clears throat> Tyler Higby, <clears throat> you save that money because you're going to pay guys like this. Yeah, a hundred percent agree with you, and and I mean, honestly, I, I'm really excited to see what Ramsey brings to this team. I know Wade Phillips is really excited to have them on on this team. You know, I, I did like Marcus Peters, and I in a way, I kind of wish we kept him so that he can be opposite of Ramsey. But I, I, I can kind of understand why they traded him away, and. You know, to be quite frank, I, I like what they got from uh, from Baltimore as well. But uh, overall, I, I I really love this trade. Uh, bash it if you want about not having first round picks, but uh, we've been doing fine so far, so I'm okay with it. I think the big, not the only reason they made that Peters trade, but a a massive factor was I don't think. I, I don't think the money works to get Ramsey this year uh, without making that trade. I could be wrong, uh, but I think they needed to free up that cap space. It wouldn't surprise me because I know that we weren't exactly swimming in cash. So, um, yeah, makes total sense there. Yeah, they did not have a, cap, a lot of cap room. But, uh, yeah. I would have loved to have Peters and Ramsey. That would have been a, a very formidable thing. But hey, look, man, you got to get some credit where credits due. Troy Hill has not been that bad at all. <laughs> oh, Troy Hill, uh, you're right uh, to an extent. You are absolutely right. Troy Hill ha- has done a solid job, and uh, at the same extent, I-, I have to give it up to uh, Nicole Roby Coleman as well. Yep who did a solid job in, in covering also uh, kudos to him because really other than Julio Jones, really the, the entire uh, receiving core was a non-factor. So kudos to both those guys. Yeah. The, the secondary looked good and you no know, Marquis Christian play, played a pretty damn good game. Taylor Rapp step those two stepping up with uh, John Johnson, who's, on the IR, which sucks, uh, but they, you, you got to love to see all those guys really stepping up and and having some pretty good games there. Uh, let, let's continue to talk about players players of interest that I picked out from this game that I think are worth talking about. Let's start with Daryl Henderson, uh, a guy who didn't really play up until last week when Todd Gurley obviously missed the game. No Malcolm Brown in this game. They they gave Daryl Henderson a, a pretty decent amount of work, and I think he looked good, man. Eight, 11 rushes for 31 yards. Uh, he, he caught a pass in there, I think, for eight yards. All things considered, I think he was a very nice change of pace back for Gurley. When he stepped in, he looked sharp. Uh, I think in the second half, they kind of gave him a lot. Like 
there was a drive there where they kind of just let him run wild because they were up by a lot and they figured, oh, why not? But even early in the game, uh, they finally shifted away uh, in recent weeks from giving the backup running back entire drives rather than spelling him and Gurley out in drives. And I think it would pay dividends today. I think uh, when they got holes, which wasn't always, uh, they they looked pretty damn well. And Henderson, I think, I think he's going to take over this backup running back job, even when Malcolm Brown gets healthy. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all because we we've seen what he's capable of, especially in this game against Atlanta. Uh, I've seen wasn't many, but I've seen a couple of, of uh, plays where he just simply ran over people. Can and that that's impressive considering that he's not even that kind of a runner. And if you can do that in the NFL, you're doing pretty well for yourself. So um, he still has a ways to go. He's not quite there yet. I I don't know if I would be willing to have him take over the starting or the the premier backup role. But um, definitely not the starting role. Definitely not the starting role. No, no, no. He he's probably uh, a couple years for that. But as far as him being the premier backup, I would still have my reservations just because I I do still like Malcolm Brown. I still know what he's capable of. But uh, using Dale Henderson as a sort of change of pace back with Gurley is kind of what one of the reasons why he was drafted in the first place. So um, who knows? Maybe he does take a, a little bit more of the carries away from from uh, Malcolm Brown and Todd Gurley. You never know. Yeah, and he, I think even last week against San Francisco, he looked pretty good for the most part. Obviously, that that fumble was absolutely brutal and might have ended the game. But uh, running wise, running wise, he looked pretty solid. Um, we. Let's talk about Jared Goff. I think you look at the numbers in this game. He, sorry, I had to get to my numbers. 22 for 37, 268 yards, two touchdowns, didn't take a sack. Uh, and look, it wasn't it wasn't like he was given all day every pass. So not taking a sack is, is a credit to him. But he's still, man, he's still missing some bad throws deep. He missed Gerald Everett a lot uh, in this game. I think he should have had a lot, a lot more catches than he did. He had four catches on 10 targets. I think he dropped one, so it wasn't all on Goff. But he got enough time in this game where I can't really give him the excuse that he's getting pressured every play and he that's why he's not getting a rhythm to make some of these big throws he had enough time in this game to like you can't blame it on the offensive line I don't think they played we'll, we'll get to the offensive line a little bit I don't think they were phenomenal but he had the time to make these throws and he, he still missed a lot he still made some great ones but he missed a pretty big play to Brandon Cooks then on the contrary he threw a perfect dime to Todd Gurley on that touchdown pass it's just when you're when you're in the playoffs, man, these these missed throws are going to be a lot more glaring than they are now. And when the spotlight's on, the last thing I want to see him do is miss big throws like this. Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like Goff, for whatever reason this year, hasn't been his 
I, I mean, so, okay, so I don't know if I would classify Goff as ever being one of the more accurate passers in the league, but he had he had his was was you know above average for sure. And at this point, it's kind of below average, so it's a little bit concerning, especially when you have a team like the Atlanta Falcons, who, you know, there were so many times we could have had quite a few touchdowns had he just been a little bit more accurate. And it's not like he's missing by a lot, but it's just his his timing, his accuracy is just not there for whatever reason. And it is something you have to be concerned about heading into the playoffs. Now, am I going to sit here and say that he sucks or that uh, we need to trade him or cut him or whatever? No. No. I, I refuse to say that just because he he's still a great quarterback. He still had a good game. He missed. He did miss plenty of targets, and that's on him. But um, I, I just want to see him turn the corner so, so that uh, – we can put all these doubters, you know, to rest already. Well, we're seven weeks in, and uh, it, he hasn't put his turn signal on yet. <laughs> yeah, I doing research for uh, you know we got the Bengals next week. I I pulled up Andy Dalton's stats. He's completing sixty percent of his passes, nineteen hundred yards, uh, eight touchdowns, eight interceptions. QBR of 38.3, quarterback rating of 77.9. So then it was like, what's your golf look like compared to that? 60, about 62% completing his passes, 1,995 yards, uh, he, nine touchdowns, seven interceptions, 38.8 QBR, 83.3 passer rating. So pretty identical numbers to 2019 Andy Dalton is not <laughs> what you want out of your quarterback that you just gave like $130 million to. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Not I, ideal. Not ideal. But I will say that I I have a little more faith in Jared Goff than Dalton. <laughs> I of, of course. Of course, but I, I he's just he hasn't had that game yet this year, man, where he just snaps, you know? Uh he had Minnesota last year. He had Kansas City. I think even the Saints playoff game he looked really damn good. But and part of it's on the line, but you know what, man, you're not going to play again on you're not going to play behind top five bosses lines every year in your career. Uh, if you want to be considered that upper echelon of quarterbacks, which uh, this year he's not even sniffing, you got you got to be able to get it done behind that line. And it's not like he doesn't have good receivers to throw the ball to. Uh, I don't know, man. It's a little concerning. But we talk about Goff all the time. Talk about a positive. Dante Fowler fucking balled out in this game, man. Holy shit. He's basically playing himself off the team in 2020 because we're not going to be able to afford him. Uh, yeah, that's that's my boy, Dante Fowler. You know, I I, uh, I I recall last year when I was really excited 
getting him a trade deadline or close to it anyway. And uh, I have to say, it seeing him excel, seeing him become that player that we all know that he can be is is exactly what we want to see. But at the same time, not exactly what we want to see because now we can't afford him. Uh, more than likely, he's going somewhere else next year, which sucks. But uh, I did come across this tweet uh, by one of the Jaguar players, and I don't remember which one. I, I don't know if you recall which tweet I'm talking about. Uh, I do not. What was the tweet? So basically, I I, I want to say it was. Uh, oh man, I don't I don't remember. But there was a picture of Jalen Ramsey with uh, Dante Fowler and. One of the Jaguar players said, ain't that some shit? And I don't remember <laughs> which one for the life of me right now. But I I thought that was hilarious because then you go and think about how many other, you know, Jaguar first round picks we have on the team. And then, you know, <laughs> it's 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 actually yeah. kind of amusing. Next year, we might be trading Todd Gurley for Leonard Fournette so we could have their four straight years of. Jaguar first round picks because we got 2014, 2015, and 2016 on the roster. You know, the funny thing is, I think it was Leonard Fournette now that I think about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that would make sense. Uh, apparently, the Lakers game just tipped off, and I can't watch it because the Raptors took the Pelicans to overtime. Uh, <laughs> getting back at Kawhi Leonard from the grave uh, by not letting him be on primetime yet. All right. Uh, obviously, it's opening night, so that's why we're talking about this. Uh, let, let's, do, let's go a quick shout-out to our sponsor real quick. Uh, our partners at Big Heads Podcast Network. Give a shout-out to our teammate over there, FTLS. Brian, what do I love? Fantasy football. I do love fantasy football, but what else do I love? Uh, making money? I love winning money, but no, no, no. Well, that's not what I'm thinking of. Ooh, 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 I know. Sundays. I love Sundays, and I'm not talking ice cream, ladies and gentlemen. And if you love playing fantasy football, you need to check out the FTLS Fantasy Football Podcast with myself and Johnny Bats over here. Find us on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app, and as always, check out all of our work at www.ftlsunday.com. Look forward to winning with you all year. All right. Got to talk about the offensive line. I feel like I come on here and eviscerate them every week. So, Johnny, I'm just going to let you talk about what your thoughts on this line. Big update this week was Note Boom heading to the IR. And David Edwards, of all people, stepping in, taking over. David Edwards, a fifth-round pick. Uh, in this year's draft out of Wisconsin, I right? Yep, that's correct. <laughs> All right. I can remember if it was him or Bobby Evans that was out of Wisconsin. But stepping in, Jamil Demby, who was taking that spot, usually healthy scratch. So that was pretty crazy. But give me your thoughts on the offensive line in this game. You know, the offensive line, you couldn't get much worse than what we saw last week against the San Francisco 49ers. So 
if you're if you're just kind of looking at this from the outside perspective, that you know you can't get any worse. So you're thinking there's nowhere to look up but up. You're kind of right, but at the same time, they made a huge stride forward. Now, keep in mind, I'm not suggesting that they were perfect or that they had a flawless game because obviously that is false. Uh, one of the reasons being is because while Jared Goff had way more time to throw the ball, there was still plenty of plays where the defenses were, were was you know pretty close to sacking him, and uh, were there was a few times where it was really close calls. Um, and at the same time, too, the running you know there wasn't any there wasn't any holes being made for for either girly or so let's not get too carried away that said i felt like this team made the right strides because you know david edwards did a solid job in this game way way better than jamel demby you know at this point i know we don't it's not like we have a lot of guys to work with but good lord can we just cut jamel demby just for the sake of cutting him because David Edwards, who isn't really even a guard technically, stepped in and did way better job. Like, not even close. And uh, and kudos to Sean McVay for that, too. Because one of his, uh, one of the things he you know, was very adamant about this offseason was making sure that both Bobby Evans and David Edwards got, saw some time at guard so that to prepare for situations like this. Unfortunately, they ha- we have to use them at guard, but at least now we have a backup plan. Um, in in that regard, uh, I thought that this offensive line did really, really well, considering the circumstance, and I was really happy with it. Uh, I, I don't know. Am I, am I celebrating too soon, Steve? No, it was, it was definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, no sacks is huge. Uh, and yeah, there were definitely times where Goff could have gotten sacked, but hey, Goff, that's a, that's a positive step in his development is not getting sacked at all. Uh, because he's gonna, he's gonna have to start avoiding stuff like that. I, Edwards, yeah, it was, he was a healthy, he was a nice improvement. It was nice, you know, there were, there were plays where, um, there was a, there was a play, I don't remember when in the game, but Goff stepped back and, uh, Edwards, nobody really was really in front of him, but instead of like sitting there like an idiot and not blocking anyone, he turn, he looks over, he sees Whitworth is blocking somebody, and he just runs over and hits Whitworth's guy. And I don't think Whitworth was about to get beat, but he wasn't, you know, handling it fully. So it, it was a, it was just nice to see people making extra blocks that they had to make. Uh, I, I think it was a, a good performance as a whole especially considering how they've looked in the past. But I got to say, man, uh, I have held a lot of guys in this line accountable this, this year. I think I've eviscerated Brian Allen, Rob Havenstein, and uh, Jamil Demby on this podcast. Uh, Johnny, I, if you if you got a minute, I want you to go on Twitter and look at the tweet I just posted uh, two hours ago. It was a clip of Austin Blythe. Uh, so in this clip, it's it's second and goal, two fifty left in the game in the, the the first half, and the Rams run a 
a draw from about the 10 for whatever reason. Austin Blythe, he, he comes out to pull on his guy. He gives him maybe like a shove, stops blocking him, uh, or just loses the block. Either way, it was fucking garbage. And <laughs> so the guy gets around Blythe, obviously, because he didn't do anything. Goes to tackle Gurley. Gurley, he doesn't bring him down. Gurley's breaking the tackle. So Blythe, Blythe is standing there watching like an idiot. And uh, <laughs> so there's another guy coming up. And instead of Blythe trying to hit the second guy, he just watches Gurley break this tackle and then run into the second guy that he could have easily blocked. Uh, I felt like there were numerous plays in this game where Blythe was just not doing his job. And uh, look, man, maybe he's not healthy, but either way, he's looked really bad. And it just sucks that we have all these linemen that are apparently not good anymore. Uh, Havenstein, I think, is hopefully getting back into form. He had some really tough assignments to deal with early on in the year. I, I've said that enough on the pod, uh, but he's he fucked up a lot less today, for lack of a better term. But Blythe, dude, holy shit. He, I, I don't know if you watched that play, but it was bad. And I'm not saying he was bad at every point in the game, but there's a lot of points in the game where I looked and said, and that guy's not doing his job. Well, that's uh, – I just took a look at your tweet, and good Lord, like, I, I do remember that. Uh, I, I forgot it was Austin Blythe, but I did remember seeing that and just questioning myself, what the hell was he doing? But, yeah, I I agree with you. I did see plenty of moments where Blythe, you know, did similar plays like that where he just – kind of gives up and that's not what you want to see in an offensive lineman offensive lineman in general should have the attitude that the play isn't dead until the whistle's blown and uh you know just because the guy isn't directly in front of you anymore doesn't mean that you should just you know chill i i don't agree with that at all and i'm hoping that uh both sean mcveigh and you know, every coach on this roster goes over to him and says that, you know, you can't, this isn't something you can do, you yeah. know. You got to get ripped apart and film for that. Um, I, I, and I think, like, to your point about just not, like, just quitting on plays, I saw a lot of the offensive linemen in this game, like I mentioned with Edwards, and even guys who I I go out of my way to criticize, like Brian Allen and stuff. I saw I saw plenty of guys don't have a man in front of them, and they, they go find a man. And if, whether it's double-teaming somebody else or whatever, uh, they were able to go find it. But Blythe had a guy right in front of him and, and didn't even try. Uh, just let the play die. I think I don't know how good of a play that would have been if he gets out there and makes that block, but I think Gurley could get like three or four yards on that play. And when you're in the red zone or anywhere on the field, those those yards matter. goes from a loss of two to a gain of three or four. Uh, if, you may, if you can – you know, acknowledge that you missed your block and go make the second one, and and they did not. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we're gonna have words to say about the line in the future, so we don't need to, to dwell on it too much. Uh, let's 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 talk about Marcus Peters real quick in that trade. I think we touched enough on the Ramsey trade. Uh, I was really happy to see, for the most part, it wasn't all of you, but I think. Uh, we nobody really let the door hit Marcus Peters on the way out. Everybody held it open and kind of shook his hand on the way out. I I put out a, a tribute video to Peters on my Twitter. If you had, if you didn't see it, 
Check it out at Superbarrow. It's pinned. Um, everybody seemed to really appreciate this guy for just how much of a fun character he was on the team to have. Everybody in the organization went out of their way to praise him and just being such a good guy. And I think for the fact that a lot of a minority of people who were still out there uh, and still criticizing him when he left, they they love to point out or they, or they love to look at him like a knucklehead or a hothead. And I think just the reaction to the move from inside the organization, from uh, writers, from fans – was mostly overwhelmingly positive, and I it was just I, I enjoyed seeing that, and I'm gonna miss the dude, man. He's he's fun to have on the team. Yeah, if you if you're criticizing Marcus Peters for being a hothead, you are essentially living with Peters still being on the Kansas City Chiefs, like because you you, you haven't seen that at all with him in Los Angeles. He literally went above and beyond for a lot of things. And, you know, the fact that there are so many people in the organization that wants to say bye to him, that says a lot, you know. And how he handled the trade was very mature also. It, in I mean, in reality, he could have had, you know, um, he, he could have had sour grapes saying, hey, you know what, uh, I came into Los Angeles, you know, trying to win a Super Bowl, with you know, go to hell or something like that. But instead, he handles it very classy. He, from, from what I understand, uh, I read that he actually drove from uh, quite a distance away to the Rams facility to say bye to everyone. And and instead of throwing a a diva fit or something that we're all kind of used to seeing from these NFL players, he went out of his way to say bye. That's that's classy. You know, that's not a hothead. That's not not a diva. That's a true team player that's no longer with the team. It sucks, but that's what happened. So for anyone that that's going to sit there and and tell me that uh, that. Peters is is a uh, is a hothead. You really need to get your facts straight. You really do. Yeah, I, I love I love the reaction. I loved him going back, saying bye to everybody. Um, I'm missing him, man. I'm, I'm gonna be rooting for him wherever he goes. You got any? He, and thank God the Jalen Ramsey trade happened because if there wasn't another shoe to drop and we just traded Peters for what, what we get a fifth round pick and Kenny Young, I wouldn't have been I would have been thrilled. You got you got any takes on Kenny Young or Austin Corbett, the other players we acquired? I I like Kenny Young a lot. I feel like he has a lot of potential. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to make a huge, huge impact. But one thing to consider is this guy is a true inside linebacker. You know, that's something that the Rams haven't had really other than Corey Littleton, if you consider him an inside linebacker even. But if he is able to pick up Wade Phillips' defensive scheme and if he works hard at it, I feel like this is a guy that can contribute and be a really, uh, really good starter. You know, I really do. He has he has the uh, covering skills that you need an inside linebacker, and he can definitely hit. 
So that's what I'm I'm really excited to get in Kenny Young. I feel like this is uh, an under-radar move that uh, the Rams got. And like I said, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this guy is going to be a pro bowler and he's going to, you know, save the, the linebacking cord. No, that, that's, that would be wishful thinking. But what I am saying is he's certainly an improvement over Bryce Hager. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to knock our special teamer or anything, but yeah, it's just that he's a special teamer. I, I will say this. I do like Tyler uh, uh, Taylor Appa um, playing, you know, in that kind of hybrid role. And I don't expect that to go away like right away, even if Kenny Young somehow manages to, you know, take some time away from this whole odd scenario. But uh, I think people shouldn't sleep on this uh, on this player. Kenny Young is can be a solid producer. And I think under the right scheme, which I do think he fits favorably in the system, uh, I think that, who knows, we might have a gem here. I hope so, man. Uh, I hope so. It, it would be nice if he could contribute, and we'll see. He definitely got the upside there. Uh, yeah, and it's at a position that we're real thin at. For both for both of these guys we acquired, for, uh, I, obviously, Peters is a lot to give up, but I... I think the Ramsey trade was factored in a bit, and um, you know, Corbett, Corbet. I don't. I gotta figure out how to say that. Both these guys are have upside and are at positions that we really needed help at. So I, I'm I'm okay with both these moves. Let's take a quick break before we get to the Bengals to give a shout out to our sponsor Jim Hawk and his book Hollywood's Team Grit Glamour and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams guys most of us are practically to anything Los Angeles Rams but if you want to learn more about the team's history with a bit of a personal touch you got to check out Hawk's book it tells the story of the 1950s Los Angeles Rams through the lens of Jim's dad John who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. It's a son's story of his father and the era he played for in glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Leg Surge, Tom Fierce, Les Richter, even Night Train Lane, Bob Waterfield. These got their featured players in this book that spans the story of the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find the book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and all proceeds go to charity, Homeboy Industries out in Los Angeles. You can also find this book through various other booksellers on the internet. Guys, Johnny and I have been talking about this for months. We both actually read this book from cover to cover, and it's a really great and interesting read. Uh, and it's just good history for any Ramson out there, but it's also just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, Hollywood's team. Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is well worth your time. All right. Hey, how about a little uh, pour one out for the Rams? I believe this will be the last London game for the team for a while. Uh, If I remember correctly, part of the agreement when they moved back to L.A. was they would go to London every year until the new stadium opened up. So, Season ticket holders, I think you're getting another game. Yes, that is absolutely correct. And I have to say, I'm I'm happy that this whole London Bull is over. And so is Todd Gurley, apparently. But um, I, I just, uh, 
I I didn't ever quite understand like this whole you know expansion uh this extended games out to like these uh European countries as well as like Mexico. I just to me I just I don't get it. You know, unless we are going to expand to a GFL, a global football league, which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon. I don't see the point in it. I, I, I don't think it'll ever really catch on to, you know, the European region, to the Asian region, to the Latin American region. I just, I, I don't see it. Money, uh, money. I, you got to build up that base, uh, get people excited about the sport in other countries. Uh, so you could get TV deals in those countries and therefore pump more money back into the leagues. Uh, it's, it's kind of why this whole China thing, not, I don't really want to get in depth on this, but the whole China thing in the NBA was a big deal because they built up such a base in China and then one tweet might have destroyed the whole thing. And there's a chance that the salary cap actually decreases in the NBA next year as a result of that, which is fucking insane. Uh, but hey, these whole things are you're attempting to build a base in another market. You're not necessarily testing the waters to get a team there. Uh, you know, maybe Mexico City, you would be considering that. But I don't think they'd ever put a team in Mexico. I don't think they will ever put a team in London. And uh, I doubt they ever put a team in Canada either because they got the CFL up there. But yeah, it's just, it's just an attempt to build an international market to sell merch, to get people interested and to get TV deals from these countries, I'd say, more than anything. Um, but it's not about London. It's about the Bengals, the team we're playing next. And, Johnny, the Falcons are a bad team, and the Bengals are worse, uh, led by former Rams intern Sean McVay, who took his internship with Sean, or Zach Taylor. Sorry. Zach Taylor took his internship with Sean McVay and turned it into a full-time job as the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, really moving on up quickly. And so far, he is in over his head, and the team is 0-7 in his defense. It's a pretty terrible roster. Uh, we think our offensive line is bad. Theirs is just as bad, but they don't have the players to make up for it. Uh, Joe Mixon has been awful. We talked about Andy Dalton's stats. They don't have the receiving core that we have with A.J. Green injured to make up for it. Their defense might be even worse. They're giving up the most yards per game in the NFL, giving up the most rushing yards by a good 30 yards per game over the next team. Uh, pass defense, not as bad, still not good. Uh, they're in the top 10 in points allowed. So essentially what I'm trying to say here, Johnny, is the Rams should absolutely just eviscerate this team and wipe them off the face of the planet. But I thought they should have done that to Cleveland too, and they did not. Uh, do you think this game is as big of a blowout as it should be. Well, first of all, I can you make this clear to me, Steve? Do you think that, that the Bengals are a terrible team? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if I cleared it up for there, but, yeah, they are not a good football team. And It, it week, wasn't quite clear the first time, no. Week 16, Johnny, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen, but – there genuinely might be a matchup of 0-14 teams when the Bengals travel to Miami. Uh, because you look at the Bengals' wow. schedules, they're at Oakland and they're home against the Jets, and those are really the only games I could see them winning. Now, 
knock on wood that they don't win on Sunday after me saying that, but I they they're bad. Well, you know the Cowboys said that about the Jets, and we see the result there. But uh, I digress. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> here's the difference between the Browns, who you mentioned that we barely won and we should have won by a lot. The difference between the Jets is they have a lot of redeeming players on their team, especially the Browns. The Browns, why they're so terrible, I, I have no idea. I, it, it's just like Cleveland finds a way to lose. But putting that aside, when you look at the Bengals, really there's no way that this team how, – how does this team even exist? They're that <laughs> terrible. The, the, the offensive line looks – I mean, poor Andy Dalton. You wonder why this guy's injured every year. And that's a big reason why, you know, uh, and and Whitworth, you know, we talk about him being on a terrible offensive line. He he really escaped to Los Angeles to get to get away from an even, you know, worse offensive line. So, yeah, there, there's just, you know, <laughs> it's just it's incredible how terrible this team is. Joe Mixon has been by far one of the more disappointing draft picks that they've had. You know, I know he had a solid season when healthy, but this year, and again, it has a lot to do with the offensive line, so I won't, I'll give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but yeah, it's definitely not entirely on him, but it's, he's definitely not blameless. No. No. So, and and then on top of that, you look at their defense and their defense isn't much better. It's, it's actually pretty terrible. You know, they have some players more than I would say on the offense, but there's no reason I see that the Rams don't dominate this game. First off, I feel like the Falcons are way better than, than the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, And we just thrashed them. Yeah, agreed one hundred percent. Yeah. So if we can't win the Cincinnati Bengals, we deserve to lose this season. We really do. We I, I just I, I don't see any team except for maybe the Redskins, like you said. And at I, that point Miami. It, it's Miami. Oh yeah, that's right, Miami. Ah. Very uh, see, I'm just thinking it's about terrible teams. That's what it is. <laughs> the Redskins and, and, won uh, the first terrible team ball against Miami a week or two ago. They did. And the the funny thing about that game is it was such an awful game to I, I kind of I kind of was watching that game too just to see how terrible these two teams would be. And it's like they were fighting back and forth on who was gonna lose this game. Until finally the the Redskins ended up winning the game. So <laughs> if it was like that with with uh, just the Redskins and the Dolphins, I can only imagine the Dolphins and the Bengals. So as far as the Bengals are concerned, if you don't win the the Bengals, not not only just win them. Like I don't want to win them like we just barely won the, the Browns. If we don't win them by at least 20 points, I say it's a loss. 
I got them winning thirty-eight to seven. Yeah, I, I they should blow this team off the map. They're they're a bad team. Uh, they're also traveling to London, so we're not the only ones making that trip. Um, yeah, it sh- it should not be that difficult. They got a bad defense and a bad offense. The Falcons at least had a good offense and really took care of business on them. Uh, this they, they should be a fairly fairly easy win, and it's a game we have to take care of business here because. We're a flawed team. We saw it in that three-game losing that three-game losing streak. All the flaws were out, and our schedule after the bye. Uh, and I'm not going to say it's not doable, but Steelers, Bears, Ravens, Cardinals, Seahawks, Cowboys, 49ers, Cardinals. Uh, all of those games are losable. I, I think we we take care of the Cardinals. I think we take care of the Steelers. We probably take care of the Bears, uh, and then. You know the rest after that is, is toss ups, but you you gotta win games against Atlanta and Cincinnati if you want to be at the playoffs. And if they lose this game, man, uh, that's gonna be a long plane ride home from London. I will just say that. And uh, I'm I mean I I I really I really can't see them losing this one. What do you, what do you got for a score prediction? I'm going to say that the Rams end up winning this game 45-3. to Woo! I like it. And it might be realistic. Uh, if we come on this show next week and they lose, uh, that would not be fun. I wonder how Bengals fans feel because, like, I know a lot of Dolphins fans and they're, they're completely fine with what's happening right now because nine out of the last ten years – They've won six to eight games. So, like, <laughs> at some point, <laughs> you get sick of the seven and nine bullshit. And I know every Dolphins fan I know is like, let's go one and 15 and get the first pick. Uh, you obviously don't want to go 0 and 16, but uh, I wonder how Bengals fans are if they're in the same boat. I, I feel like they might not be because they've, they've been decent for the last decade or so. If I'm a Bengals fan, I want Marvin Jones back. I totally forgot he even played for the Bengals. He was good in the Bengals too. I feel they losing John Ross is killer for them. Um, and AJ Green is doubtful for this game. So, like the the defense, if they if they get beat up by this offense, it is a absolutely horrible look. Tyler Boyd is good, but like, come on, come on, he's the best player on the offense. You should not get beat up by that team. I really did like John Ross, too. I feel like he still has a ton of potential that he hasn't seen yet. He was killing it this year, man. It finally was coming together. I, I wish he didn't get hurt. But Sucks. Yeah. Well, he ain't playing against us. All righty. Well, next week, the Rams will be on bye after this, hopefully, victory. So... Uh, we will talk to you then. You can follow me on Twitter at C. Ribeiro, follow Johnny at Johnny five, not six and follow Rams talk at talk Rams. Don't forget to give us a review, like rating, wherever you're getting your podcasts uh, for Johnny. This is Steve pass over to Marcus. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking. that We're going to see him soon. You feel me?
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.